We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Okay, Johnny, this is usually the part of the podcast where the theme music plays, but this team doesn't deserve fucking theme music this week. We're not doing an intro. I'm not playing anything. Yeah, rightfully so. I mean, this... I... (laughs) I, I got so much shit over the past 24 hours, and I've been telling people, you know, who've been asking me, what happened to, to the Rams on Sunday? And I just simply respond with saying, the Rams didn't play this past Sunday. <laughs> it, they, they took week 15 off so that they could prep for the week 16 matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. And everyone just kind of rubs it in my face and i just i just deny 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 that the rams were on the field because this was not the same rams team we've seen all season long (laughs) even in the worst games that they've played this season that was a pathetic performance and i think sean mcveigh said it best was a humbling experience Uh, so i as a East Coaster, I know I, I frequently talk to a lot of Jets fans, and I mean, they 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 are more mad than we are. Like, they're fuming. I, I've been just getting yelled at by my friends. They're like, fuck the Rams, dude. Like, they just ruined our season. We're not getting Trevor Lawrence. Like, this is bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I had one friend text me saying he's not going to watch the NFL anymore after the Jets finally won. Like, nobody's happy about this. Nobody. <laughs> I, I I don't blame them because I think the Jaguars are going to probably take the number one spot and Trevor Lawrence will have another interesting quarterback career in uh, Jacksonville. So uh, good luck to you, Trevor Lawrence. E- either way, you're kind of fucked. Yeah, it was like, like, 
Let, let me – so, like, uh, truthfully, I, I, I usually do some prep for these pods. I didn't do any prep this week. I don't think we fucking need to. I have my list of notes from watching the games. I'm just going to go through this list, Johnny, that for anyone listening to the podcast last week, they'll remember this. This was the Rams Wire article from Cam Silva that was seven things to know about the Rams-Jets matchup. Number one, it was the second largest spread in an NFL game this season. The Rams were 17-point favorites. Teams since 2000 are 30-1 when favored by at least 17 points. The Jets rank last offensively in points, yards, first downs, passing yards, drives ending in points, yards per drive, points per drive, red zone touchdown percentage. They've scored 10 or fewer points in more than half their games. Adam Gase, their head coach, has more double-digit losses than wins in his career. All that to say... We lost. We lost to the fucking 0-13 New York Jets. Like, this game really, it doesn't really matter for the NFC NFC West race. If we win this week, it's not really going to affect anything. But, like, what a fucking joke, man. Like, what a just an absolute joke on every level. Like, like I... I uh, when we woke up, like, Sunday morning, my girlfriend asked what time the Rams play. I was like, yeah, they play at four, but, like, it's such a joke of a game. Like, I'm really just worried about my fantasy teams in the playoffs. Like, we're going to house the Jets. And we fucking lost, dude. Like, what an embarrassing, like, disaster. So I've seen some people saying that, like, this game is their most embarrassing, the most embarrassing Sean, Mavic, Sean McVay loss since the Super Bowl. To me, this is more embarrassing than the Super Bowl. I'd rather get outcoached by Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl, like, to get embarrassed in the Super Bowl, you have to get to the Super Bowl. Like, it is not a Week thirteen, a week 15 matchup against one of the worst teams in the history of the sport. Like, and you just go out there, and I know they only lost by three, but, like, just, like, got rolled over on both sides of the ball for the majority of this game. Like, it was just, what a fucking, what a fucking joke. Like, I, I, I like, I don't have any words beyond that. Just to add a little to that, I'll I'll never quite understand when people, especially fans of other teams, kind of criticize Sean McVay for his performance in the Super Bowl. I'm like, dude, he got to the Super Bowl. There are teams that haven't even sniffed a Super Bowl yet. Yeah, he des- so, he deserves criticism. Uh, I think he would agree with us with me on that. But like, also, yes, we were in the Super Bowl. That's what I was saying to everyone who was giving me shit that year. It's like, bro. Like, I was getting shit from Jets fans that year. I was like, you guys haven't played in the Super Bowl in 50 years. Like, I don't care that we scored three points. It sucked. It was a miserable day. But the ride up to it was awesome. And we got that far. Like, I would rather lose in the Super Bowl than not make the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, I I wouldn't even put that loss in the Super Bowl in the same dimension as this loss against the fucking Jets. I mean, it's one thing to lose to Bill Belichick, but it's quite another thing to get owned by Adam Gase. How? How? This guy is a joke of a coach. He and really he made Sean McVay look like a total asshole. I mean, he just he just didn't look like a good coach out there. And and mind you, it, <sighs> I think I could almost accept it if the Rams were a terrible team also, but this is a very good team. You know, they have a very good squad put together 
and they played like they haven't won a single game at all this year. And I, I mean, we should know because they played against a team that hasn't won a single game this year. So it's just, it's frustrating because if you lose to a team like the Seahawks, it's okay. I mean, you obviously disappointed, but if, if you lose to a team like the Jets, you know, that's when it's, it's aggravating because you know that this is a team that the Rams should obviously beat anytime, anywhere. And, and you look at like the Dolphins game this year, a really frustrating game that we were, we were really infuriated after. But when you look at that game, you could point to one thing. They turned the ball over four times and the Dolphins took full advantage of all those turnovers. And if you take those four turnovers out of the game, then the, the end result is a completely different story. We probably win that one fairly easily if we don't turn the ball over. The Rams turned the ball over once in this game, and they also had a punt block. If you take those two plays away, then the, the, Dolph, or the Jets scored six points off of those. So I, like, I guess technically if you take those two plays away, we would have won. But like a 20 to 17 victory wouldn't be that much better than losing. And we like, yeah, Sean McVay got coached under the table by Adam fucking Gase, dude. They were better on offense. They were better on defense. They were better on special teams. There's no aspect of this game that the Rams won. Maybe they did better running the ball. Sure. But like, just they were dominating. I know it was a three-point game, but the the gap in talent between these teams, the fact that it was a 17-point spread to lose this game by any number. Like, the Jets had to severely outplay the Rams because the talent-wise, it's not even close. Naturally, Johnny, as if nothing else could go right this week, my Wi-Fi just went out, so we had to restart what we were talking about. But, like, like let's just start with the Rams on offense in this game. Like, or sorry, I want to start, I want to start with the Jets on offense. Sam Darnold, dude, played, would you agree with this? The best game from a quarterback against the Rams defense since Josh Allen in week three. Yeah, that's probably accurate. And it, like, uh, he, to his credit, he made some great passes. Like, he played well, but also, like, we were just letting him do whatever he wanted. Like, the coverage was, like, non-existent. Like, it was the most uncharacteristically bad performance from what has been an elite secondary this year. Just, like, no, I feel like nobody was being covered half the time. Like, when they would complete passes, the guy was by himself. And this wasn't, like, exclusively a one-time thing. But we let Sam fucking Darnold, a quarterback that is so unappealing that we both said we would take Mitch Trubisky for sure as our quarterback over this guy and that Jets fans have been rooting for the team to go 0-16 so they could draft his replacement is because of how it's not all his fault but like how uninspiring he's been and he like he only had 207 yards he was averaging 6.7 yards for completion but like he played an efficient game he didn't turn the ball over like he just did I don't know, man. He, like, I feel like he, he was able to do whatever he wanted when he needed to. And, like, 
with the game on the line, he he made it happen. He didn't he didn't throw any interceptions. He didn't turn the ball over. He was only sacked twice. Like the like when the Jets came out and they scored on the first drive. Apparently they do that all the time, which I didn't know. They like always score on their first drive, and you felt okay. But I don't know. Like any time the Jets needed to score, they I feel like they scored. Like it was just so embarrassing. There's no, there's not really anyone I would point to in this game on defense, um, except honestly, like he was Troy Reader played all right. He made some plays near the end. Uh, he had a big deflection on a on a third and goal. But like for for this defense to give up 23 points, and I know six of them came up on came on turnovers, but like it just it felt like they were dominated, even though they weren't like totally dominated, but. For the Jets to do this, it felt like they were dominated. And when it came down to it, on the last drive of the game, all we needed to do, like after after that abysmal offensive series, which we will talk about shortly, um, all we needed to do, we had, there was three minutes and 54 seconds left in the clock, and we had two timeouts left. And we didn't get the ball back. For the, for the New York fucking Jets to be able to take the game down, they got two timeouts. Frank Gore got both of them. Like, what the fuck are we doing, dude? Like, I, I, I'm i not, like, excessively concerned about the defense because this is really their first lapse in, in weeks. Um, but, like, they, for this to be the game where, where they just kind of turn in the shitty performance, like, it's unbelievable. It's uh, concerning for several reasons. Number one, the reason why Sam Darnold looked like Patrick Mahomes out there was because he had all day to throw. Like, there was very few plays that, you know, they they weren't getting any pressure on him. It was, if there was any pressure, it was obviously caused by Aaron Donald. Uh, and if he wasn't the one doing the penetration, he was you know, get, getting all the attention away, that can't happen. You know, the Jets have an okay offensive line at best. I think it's more like mediocre, but the fact that there was absolutely zero penetration at times, it, it was embarrassing. On top of that, they did exploit a weakness that we've all come to become aware of in uh in the lack of inside linebackers it's one of the reasons why they kept dishing the ball off you know to the middle of the field we all knew that coming in but yet somehow it becomes a mystery as to why we can't defend that because we're relying on guys like troy reader and kenny young uh (laughs) it's it's actually kind of amazing but um, I I don't have an answer as to why the the you know the secondary was being owned as well because you have guys like oh um, well, actually pretty much all the receivers were were having their way with the secondary you know I I don't know how some of these guys got so open against one of the better secondaries in the league. If they just didn't show up to play is what it really comes down to. It was it was embarrassing. There was no adjustment. And um, as far as 
as far as everything else is concerned, um, from the Rams offensively, what, what bothers me most is offensively, there wasn't really much to go about either. So it's like usually with this team, if one of, if one or even two of the, you know, one or two parts of the team fail, there's at least one other part that bails them out. Usually it's the defense. And for whatever reason, the defense decides against the 0-13 Jets not to play defense. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, we'll get, we'll get to the offense in a second because there are a lot of thoughts. But, yeah, the, yeah. the, the inside linebackers, I think – like they had some moments in this game. Uh, both Kenny Young and Troy Reardus did make make some some solid plays uh, to their credit. But also, like that first drive, they're just sitting, they're just going out there and feeding Ty fucking Johnson. Like, <laughs> like of all people, like I know he's been okay with the Jets, but they are just feeding this dude. Uh, he had he had six catches for thirty nine yards, and I I would imagine most of them came on the first drive. Um, and if you look at the rec- like. It's wild looking at this box score how little the receptions the receivers actually had because I feel like they were just catching everything. Like Crowder had six catches, um, but but beyond him, Herdnon had three, Pearman had one, Denzel Mims had three, and Braxton Berrios had two. <laughs> they were barely catching everything, but I feel like they were so open every time he threw him the ball that it felt like they were just catching everything and being thrown everything. It was just... Like, it was unbelievable, and that's it was a really uncharacteristic game from the secondary, the pass rush that felt like he had been figuring it out clearly hasn't. Um, I'm not going to blame Aaron Donald for this game, like at all. He he was probably the only part of the pass rush that played well, but he also I, I don't know they they kind of took him out of the game, and teams are going to game plan to do that. And when that happens, players around you have to make an impact, and they didn't today. None of none of these guys did. Uh, Samson Abukam and Morgan Fox each had sacks. Morgan Fox's sack was a great sack. I remember it being at a somewhat pivotal moment, but like for for the Jets to be able to get the ball at the end of the, the, that game and get two first downs, it's just unreal. It's just unreal that they were able to do this against us. And like I I I know this is an elite defense. I hope this is just a, a lapse, but you can't let this happen and then feel confident when you travel to Lambeau field in the playoffs and play the Packers. Like if the jets are doing this to you, I know it's one game. This is probably an overreaction. Like it's one game, but still this game warrants that kind of overreaction. I don't think it's an overreaction at all, especially considering we're, we got two very tough NFC West opponents left remaining on our schedule particularly the Seahawks um, next up. This isn't just uh, an NFC rival game. This is also, you know, a game that that's going to determine the placement of where we're going to be in the playoffs. If we make the playoffs at all, because as we kind of discussed last week, um, it's actually a possibility that the Rams could not make the playoffs. It's a very limited possibility but it's a possibility still nonetheless. And that's not something you want to hear with two games left remaining in the in the schedule. So um, 
it's not an overreaction on that part because, you know, if, if this happens early in the season, you could chalk it up as rust. You could chalk it up as, uh, you know, overlooking opponents. This late in the season, you have zero excuses. And um, I, I think that it, it's it's very good to think about this game as as a as basically a reference of what not to do in the future. Yep. Like basically use this film as, as your, uh, your guide, what not to do um, for the remaining part of the 2020 season. Yeah. It's so fucking embarrassing. Uh, Let's, let's get to the offense before we talk about big picture. And I think I truly, I think the defense actually might deserve more blame in this game than the offense, but the big difference is, and I saw some people on Twitter were saying, like, how come nobody is giving the defense slack for this game? Because they gave up 23 points to the Jets, and, like, it wasn't massive points off turnovers. I think the difference is that in games where the Rams underperformed this season, when you look back, it really wasn't the defense's fault in the other four losses. Um, they they do deserve some blame for the Buffalo loss, obviously, but I think more or less they both sides of the ball were lights out in that second half and you don't you know there's not really one person you could point to in that game uh because everything went wrong in the first half and everything went right in the second half but like Miami San Francisco uh in this game the offense deserves a shitload of the blame and for Miami and both San Fran games the offense deserves most of the blame this game it goes both ways but it's it's another Really frustrating performance by this Rams offense. Uh, the play calling was bad. The decision making was bad. The protection was bad. The receivers were bad, except for Robert Woods. Uh, and, and I guess Tyler Higby players were dropping passes. Um, Cam Akers played well, I would say, especially considering the in, the injury that we'll talk about later in the pod. Like other than Acres and Woods and and maybe Higby, everything else was a fucking disaster. Like Goff, like players were dropping passes and and Goff was making bad decisions. Uh, his interception was awful, and he almost did it again and got bailed out by Gerald Everett uh, making a catch on that on that second rollout that he almost threw a pick on. And they came out in this game with literally. Four out of their five drives being three and outs. One of those drives, they got a block punt. In the drive that wasn't a three and out, they got a they they went for it on fourth and one, got it because John Franklin Myers jumped, former Ram. They actually got him on a hard count. In the next fucking play, they throw an interception. It was it was unbelievable. And I want to talk about the end sequence and how the offense played overall in the second half, but like like, that first half, man, was just flat-out embarrassing. And some credit to them for coming out in the second half and being lights out for almost three straight drives. And then we'll get to, we'll get to the last drive. But, oh, my God, it was just so ugly in the first half. And there's just no excuse for this. This is not the worst defense in the league, but this is not a good defense. Uh, the, a defense that literally just fired their defensive coordinator a couple weeks ago. It's not a good defense, and and we we didn't get it done, and it was just it was really ugly on on a lot of levels, especially in that first half. 
Well, I noticed a lot of backlash against Jared Goff, and don't get me wrong, uh, he deserved it. There was quite a there's quite a few things that Jared Goff did wrong. But if you ask me for the people that were hanging this loss on, on Jared Goff, this wasn't a Goff loss by any means. I think this is a Sean McVay loss. Uh, or, or, you know, I, I'm not going to say that Goff was flawless or he, because my God, he, he was terrible, but, the way this this game was called, um, the way this the the way the offense was situated against such a terrible defense, and they still can't get it done. Yeah, th- this has to go against Sean McVay, n- not necessarily Jared Goff. And again, I'm not saying that Jared Goff doesn't deserve any blame because he definitely does. But Sean McVay should know better by now how to run this offense and quite frankly it it seems like for the past couple of weeks the offense just hasn't been clicking as well as it should um and i think that's mainly on the play calling you know um some of it has to go to the players of course but i i don't see anything really helping with the way the play calling has been happening the the past really really the past year there really hasn't been a point where this offense was like damn this is this is uh this is an offense that we can all be proud of you know this is like the 2018 Rams it never really happened this season or at least not too much um and i think part of that is because of the way the offense has been ran and it's a shame because I I feel like the Rams still have a really good offense out there. It's just, we haven't been playing to their strengths and that you have to blame on Sean McVay. Yeah, I agreed. And I, I think him and Goff are linked in his bad coaching because I don't think he trusts Goff that much and it it shows, but yeah, the, the strength this game was running the ball. And they 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 didn't really commit to it. They didn't run the ball that much this game. Granted, they just didn't have the ball that much in this game, which is the insane part. But and 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 like uh, just another fucking problem was when they tried running the ball a lot. Of, like they had two big Cam Akers runs called back for a touchdown, or called back for penalties. One of them a touchdown called back for an Austin Corbett hold, which was. Not a bad call. It was a clear hold on the replay. And, and like, that penalty was – it didn't cost them the game, but if that penalty didn't happen, they would have won the game. They would have had a lead. Like, they – and what's, what's insane is, like, they, we've, been call, we've been wanting them to take some shots all year. Um, and – like, this is a team that's played a lot of horizontal football when they're passing. They throw a lot of short passes. That's fine. That's, I, if that's going to be your identity, that's your identity. But to decide to start throwing the ball deep with four minutes left on third and four, that's when you're going to decide to throw the ball deep. Like, what What a fucking joke. Like, I, I want to relive that last sequence because every, everything's finally going right. 
somewhat. Uh, the Jets come out in the second half, score a touchdown, take a 23 lead. It's pretty fucking embarrassing. We had all halftime to figure out our adjustments, and we just didn't do it. And then, but to the Rams' credit, they come out, quick touchdown drive. Great touchdown drive. It was it was a, uh, a solid job by everyone involved. Next drive, defense still fucking up. They give up a field goal. Okay, 23 to 10. Rams don't quit. Another quick touchdown. They, they're figuring it out. Three and out for the for the Jets, or or they got they got one first down and then um, three and out after that. Rams come back, drive right down the field. Touchdown gets called back. Okay, you take a field goal. It is what it is. You still have a short lead. Rams force a a uh, turnover on down or no, sorry, they force a three and out. They get the ball back, and it's just like. You get the ball and you go four and out on downs. You, one of them, the can makers are almost called by a penalty. But in those two plays, the first deep ball, a can makers wheel route in double coverage. It's a bad call on third and four, and it's a bad execution because Goff shouldn't have thrown that ball. He he, there wasn't a world I don't I think where can makers catches that pass. Uh, we are not talking about throwing that pass to DK Metcalf here. This is a rookie running back not known for his pass catching. It'd be awesome if he caught a wheel route, but like he wasn't open. And then on fourth down, and, and you read the quote from McVay, it said both him and Goff were saying they got the coverage they wanted. Uh, it was just a great defensive play, which is true. But on fourth and four, why the fuck are you throwing a deep ball to your backup tight end? What are you doing? You need five yards to continue driving. Get the five yards and call that play on the next play. Like, how do you call that fucking play, man? We never throw it deep. We don't want to. We never want to. But this is when we decide to throw it deep, when we need four yards to continue the drive. Uh, And then, obviously, the defense completely shot the bet on the next drive, as they did a couple times in the second half, which is very uncharacteristic. This is the game we decide to stop making adjustments in the second half. Just like my my God, dude! What a disaster that that last four play drive was. Yeah, I, I it was. It stunned me seeing that they not only have basically back to back plays where they needed to get you know four yards, and both times they decide to throw the ball deep. You know. I would be okay with this if, you know, you're looking at a second uh, or even, you know, a first or a second down. But now you're looking at fourth down. This is to decide the game, basically. Uh, I mean, I know technically you have an opportunity, but since your defense has been playing like shit the entire game, you want to make an opportunity to you know, at least try and get this victory. So even if you're settling, you know, uh, getting like the five yards instead of going for the kill, you need to get the for sure thing first. You know, go for the kill when you get the first down. You know, yeah, it, it just, I, I don't know. Like, it, it just seemed like a very terribly managed game and, uh, and that's why I blame this loss primarily on Sean McVay. 
and really nobody else. Yes, it was a terrible performance all around, but this game could have gone so much better if there was better thought placed into the play calling and primarily on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. Yeah. And I'm on both sides. Things could have been better, but yes, particularly on offense, it was, it, it was, uh, it was rough, man. <laughs> I, I, I there's, just, there's no other way to put it. It was a, it was a fucking rough performance and one that I, I really hope, Sean McVay takes a long look in the mirror at and figures like thinks about what he's doing. Like I, I'm I'm glad they made some stuff happening in the second half, but you can't you can't get yourself in that big of a hole. Like we were doing literally nothing in the first half. I'm sure the time of possession was insanely lopsided. Just, uh, like man, dude. One hurts. And the Jets would have, Jets fans would have loved a loss. They would have they would have thanked us after the game, and we couldn't even give them that. <laughs> it was more of an attack on the Jets than the attack on the Rams. Like, fu- fucking Christ, dude! I and when you look at like the big picture, this game—if the Rams win out—it's um, not going to matter. But if they lose next week, it matters big time because a. They have no shot in the NFC West if they lose to next week. The Seahawks clinch. Uh, if we win, we still have to beat the Cardinals. Uh, if we hadn't lost this game, then we would have clinched after next week. And also, if we lose next week, we are basically going to be stuck in the sixth seed unless the Bucks lose to either the Falcons or oh, – fuck, who do they play this week? It's somebody terrible. Um, the Lions. You need the Bucks to lose to the Falcons or the Lions. Like, they're probably not going to lose to the Falcons or the Lions. Uh, I mean, uh, we lost to the Jets, though, so anything could fucking happen. But, and you know what happens if you get the sixth seed? You get to play Seattle again. Like, congratulations. Uh, maybe, you, like, maybe you get the Saints. I don't know. Um, if we had won this game and we lost next week, we'd probably be facing the Washington football team in the first round. That would be fantastic. But doesn't seem like we're trending that way. This was uh, – it hurts the standings more than you think it would. Yeah. It, it basically, at this point, the best we can hope for is if the Rams could, um, you know, win the NFC West and basically the third spot. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's the best. And it, it's kind of interesting considering both of us we're kind of – it was a long shot anyway, but both of us were kind of hoping that uh, a one seed might be possible. But now it's just – now it's just kind of a fucking joke. Six seed seemed like out of reach because we didn't expect to go one and two. Really thought we would have won this game at least. Uh, and now it's kind of – you know what, man? If you're going to lose to the Jets, I don't know. We'll we'll see how they look the next two weeks, but this really doesn't make me feel good in the playoffs that this is possible. Mm, no, not at all. Like Sean McVay after the game, this loss will demoralize us only as much as we allow it to. It's going to be embarrassing. Sick to your stomach about it. But we do have two games left, and we'll have to find a way to rebound and respond this week when we get ready for the Seahawks. This was very humbling, and it's going to be humbling, but we're going to move forward. Yep, I, I would fucking hope so. 
How do you how do you lose this game, man? What how do you lose this game? Seventeen point favorites. Vegas doesn't make that line lightly. <laughs> Hold my beer. Oh, like oh my god, Adam Gase getting a win. Jesus Christ. Uh, to add insult to injury, Cam Akers has a high ankle sprain. He's out this week. You know, I, I'd i like to say that it's not going to matter a whole lot, but Cam Akers has been such a focal point of this offense for the past couple of weeks that it, it's going to hurt more than people realize, you know. Um Technically speaking, we didn't have Acres for C- with the first encounter with the Seahawks, right? I don't think so. I mean, not he wasn't really he wasn't really being used if he was out there. Yeah, so in a way, I guess it may not matter if they um, if you know Daryl Henderson comes in and steps up again, but that's a big if. Henderson really hasn't had a huge role since Cam Akers have stepped up and become the guy. But um, I don't know, man. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see, but uh, there's not a whole lot of confidence after this after this game because, you know, you you had such a promising young guy in, in, uh, in Cam Akers only for him to have a high ankle sprain now. And kudos to him because uh, – I believe he was probably playing with the high ankle sprain for most of the game, right? Yeah, he came back. Um, just to stat correct us, because we don't have a producer, it's me. Uh, Cam Akers actually carried the ball 10 times for 38 yards against Seattle. Yeah, okay, so he had somewhat of an impact, was, but not a whole lot. It was uh, it was a full-blown committee in that game. He got 10 carries, Malcolm Brown got 6, Daryl Henderson got 7. So... Uh, I mean, I, he he had an impact. He just he didn't do that well. He got the ball. Um, yeah, yeah, he came back in the game. He finished the game. Uh, so probably not wise. I don't know how he got cleared with a high ankle sprain, but hey, uh, all for nothing because we still fucking lost. Not yeah, his fault. Serious. He uh, <laughs> he got some stuff called back, unfortunately. But like, no, nah, I mean it. In reality, Acres was one of the bright spots. Um, can you guess who was my number one bright spot in this game? Um, no, mine was Cam Acres probably, or Robert Woods. Mine was Matt Gay. Uh, he did not miss a field. No, he did not. <laughs> in in like. I would have rather kicked a field goal than thrown a deep pass to Gerald Everett on fourth and four, dude. I don't know if kicking a field goal was the right call. In the moment, I felt like it wasn't um, because of how the defense was playing the last, like, two drives. I didn't expect <laughs> they would just get fucking shit on uh, when they come back on the field. But fourth and four, four from the 37, that's what, a, a 54-yarder? Yeah, somewhat a I I don't think either a field goal or throwing a deep pass to Gerald Everett was the right call, but if I had to pick one, I would have rather taken a shot on the field goal. And you know what, dude? If Greg Zerline is still on the team, they would have kicked a field goal. That's what sucks about not having him. 
they they don't trust they don't trust their kickers from deep. I would love to see them try and trust Matt Gay, but that's a long that's a long field. And even watching some of the Cowboys game this week, like Greg Zerline lined up for a sixty yarder to end the half, and he missed it, but it had the length, which was always what I loved about Greg Zerline. No matter if he was missing, he never came up short. I don't think he ever came up short once. No, I mean, he he was one that you could go out there and feel confident that he was at least going to, you know, at least come close. And uh, so far this year with our kickers, I mean, Matt Gay has been kind of the, you know, been kind of okay. But uh, even him, like, you go out there and you don't feel like, okay, he's going to sink this in. With Zerloin, you were at least somewhat confident. Yeah, like Zerloin, I at least, like I like I kind of just said, at least when he trotted out there, you know it was going to have the distance. He he shanked a couple kicks, sure, but he never came up short, and that's a really valuable weapon to have. Is that you could line up for a sixty-yarder and it has a chance. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, God, what a mess! They're going to miss Cam Akers this week. There's no doubt. For sure, uh, they're they're a completely different team uh, with bro, the way they've been the last couple of weeks feeding him. And you go into Seattle, you're traveling into Seattle. It's gonna be cold. Jared Goff is stinking it up. Like I don't know. I I don't feel great. Um, I like I, I I didn't really get a chance to watch Seattle really break down the, the game against Washington at all. They squeaked out a win. It wasn't impressive. Their last three games, or, like, since their, their last, I don't know, seven games are not impressive. They lost to the Bills. They lost to us. They beat the Cardinals. They beat the Eagles. They lost to the Giants. They beat the Jets. They beat Washington. So they're floundering. But if you look at this matchup, we just lost to the Jets. And a week before that, they beat the Jets 43. So I love being optimistic. I am not picking the Rams next week. I don't know how you could. I don't know how any, like, yeah, I would not be shocked if they beat the Seahawks. But I don't know how any of us could honestly sit here and say they're the better team. They're going to beat Seattle after you lose to the fucking Jets. (laughs) You know, I would tend to agree with you. However, I think that this is a wake-up call, at least it should be. And, uh, yeah, I I think that um, this is also an NFC West matchup, which, for whatever reason, it has to be an NFC West matchup for the Rams to wake up. So um, that would be about the only reason why I feel somewhat... Maybe not confident is the word, but I I have at least a little hope because they always tend to play any NFC West team strong except for the for the 49ers. And uh, and on top of that, Seattle is is a team that the Rams always tend to play really, really strong against. So uh, I do have a little glimmer of hope. Maybe a glint of hope, but some hope nonetheless. 
Give me a score. Give me a score. Oof, you're putting me on the spot. I'm going 33 uh, to 20 Seattle. I'm not happy. I'm not happy, Johnny. I can tell. That's a, that's a depressing prediction right I'm not, there. I'm not happy. I, I hope I'm Ooh. wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say the Rams don't have a chance of winning. They certainly do. If this game is a fluke, which I hope it is, I hope it's a humbling experience, and I hope they come out swinging. But, like, it's, the Jets are so bad. They are so fucking bad. And you look at the Raiders, they squeaked out a win. They figured it out. They figured out a way to win no matter how ridiculous it was against the Jets. The the Raiders did everything they could to lose that game. And they won. But we didn't. We didn't. We let Frank Gore catch a dump-off pass on third and short with the game on the line. Frank fucking Gore, the inconvenient truth, 37 years old. This ain't, this ain't 49ers Frank Gore. This ain't Indianapolis Frank Gore. This ain't Miami Frank Gore. This is New York Jet 37-year-old Frank Gore. Twist the knife, why don't you? I'm not happy. <laughs> I can tell. Um, I, I will go on the optimistic side because why the hell not? Um, I'm not... I'm, I'm going to go out and say I am not confident in this prediction at all. But I think that I've seen enough of the way how the Rams tend to play to make a educated guess that the Rams are going to end up with the victory here. And I'm going to say a 24 to 23 victory. It's going to be super fucking close. Love it. I hope so. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Uh, and, and as much as I shit on the team this week, like they are a very unpredictable team from week to week to know what team's going to show up. You never do. They could easily win this game. Uh, but I cannot in good conscience pick them to win this game. Pro Bowl came out this way pro bowl selections there is no pro bowl this year so it's really just an accolade and i don't think they're like there's not going to be alternates right like i don't think even the team that makes the super bowl they're not going to replace people i think i i don't know that for sure but it'd be weird if they did johnny i will give you i will venmo have you looked at the pro bowl rosters yet uh vaguely like i know who made it from the Rams, but like, uh, I'm sure there's quite a few snubs from all sides, but, uh, um, I, I know more or less who made it uh, on the Rams side, but go ahead. I will demo you $10 right now. If you can name the NFC tight ends that got selected. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> NFC tight ends. I'm going to give you a minute to think about this. So, Wait, before I guess, is this all based on fan voting? I, I it's probably I, I I think it's a combination of fan vote and some other stuff. I don't I don't remember how the Pro Bowl process is exactly. I don't think it's all fan votes, but I, it's, well, it's a component. If the fans are voting, um, and even if it's like a major aspect of voting, I'm going to say probably some bullshit like Zach Ertz. 
No, not not Zach Ertz. Okay, okay. So it's not completely broken then. No, no. Like when you you're gonna think about the tight ends in the NFC, and like who the fuck's gonna make it then? It, it's there's really not any great tight ends in in the NFC. It, it's all basic. They're all basically in the AFC. Yep. Uh Gosh, I Gronk Gronkowski. Like somehow no. Like, wow, he, I'm he, surprised. He like when you mentioned if the fans were voting, I thought that's what you're gonna say, and I thought about it, I was like, probably should have made it. Like you have no idea. Do you want me to say him? Yeah, go for it. I ain't gonna guess it. T.J. Hawkinson of the Lions. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. And. Evan Engram of the Giants. I I actually should have guessed Evan Engram. That's yeah. No, you shouldn't have. He's not doing shit this year. It, but I mean, when you really think about it, who, who else are you gonna put through? I I think it should have been Gronk. Uh, you know what? He actually. This is so pathetic. He has 572 yards. I was like, oh, he actually has 572 yards. He has one touchdown. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, that you really. I mean, you could almost make an argument for uh, Tyler Igby. Uh, okay, maybe not that bad. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Gronk, Gronk had like the same numbers, and he had five touchdowns. And he's he's Gronk. I I can't believe Evan Ingram got in over him. Like um, my yeah. Giants fan friends are like, I want to know who voted for Evan Ingram because there's no way Giants fans were stuffing the ballots for Evan Ingram. <laughs> well, maybe fantasy owners. They definitely were not stuffing the ballot for Evan Ingram. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> I mean, TJ Hawkinson kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, he he makes total sense. I just like if you asked me that before I looked at the roster, I don't think I would have been able to guess. I I if you gave me like ten minutes. I probably would have guessed Hawkinson and Gronk. Um, but anyways, yeah, obviously Tyler Higby didn't make it. Rams had two pro bowlers, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. Shocker. I, yeah, I don't really – I mean, like, we have our guys, like Darius Williams, John Johnson, but, like, I mean, really, except for maybe Johnny Hecker, uh, Jack Fox made it as a punter. There's not really a case for anyone. Uh, like there's a slight case for Robert Woods, I guess, or Cooper Cup. Not really Cooper Cup this year, but the receivers were Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson. Um, Andrew Whitworth got hurt. If he was healthy all year, he'd probably be here. But it's kind of weird because I feel like there's like we usually have guys in the bubble that we push for, but there's not really anyone I could sit here in good faith and be like, this guy should be in the Pro Bowl. Uh, like I love Darius Williams, but I I don't think the Rams I I don't think you get two cornerbacks in this game, uh, and Jalen's the guy that should be there. Uh, I think you could make a case for John Johnson. I I feel like he was kind of snubbed here. Yeah, uh, safeties. Uh, well, Seattle actually had two: Qu- Quandre Diggs from the Seahawks, Buda Baker from the Cardinals, Jamal Adams from the Seahawks. So. Yeah, you see, I, I believe that John Johnson should should have made it over, like, Quandry Diggs. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, but I, I don't have, like, a strong argument about it. 
he's been very good. Uh, I just I wouldn't say he's been like the best safety in the league. Granted, I don't closely follow safeties, but I haven't been impressed on that level. I've definitely been impressed. And then Johnny Hecker, I believe, should have. Well, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I I haven't really looked at John Fox's stats, so like maybe there is a reason why he's put over Johnny Hecker. Yeah. And, but, and Heck, uh, Hecker, same thing. Like he, He's been very solid this year, but he's not his usual uh, lights out Johnny Hecker. The special teams are just broken on the Rams. Although Nasimba Webster, or Simba Webster, did a pretty good game. I, I we didn't mention him, but he actually did have a pretty good game. Probably his best game as a returner. As a Ram, yeah. I don't think he's played anywhere <laughs> else. <laughs> um, yeah. Aaron Donald makes the Pro Bowl again. Made it every year in his career. Uh, both these guys made the Pro Bowl last year. I don't think the Rams had any other Pro Bowlers last year. Um, Johnny Hecker. Did he make it last year? He probably did. We punted. Yeah, he did. We fucking punted a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he, did, no he did not make it last year, Johnny Hecker. Really? No. Oh, I could have sworn he made it last year. I huh, will... crazy. Yeah, I will, uh, I'll pull up the roster Aaron Donald Jalen Ramsey uh, I don't know if either of them played neither of them played those were only two Pro Bowl selections it, it shows how much the Pro Bowl means nowadays yeah La- last year though I mean there was a case for Cooper Cup I think more than there was a case for any Rams receiver this year God, it was so fucking deep at receiver last year, though. <laughs> Three guys yeah. dropped out, and these were the receivers that got selected. Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, Devontae Adams. Like, that's insane. That is that an outrageous is... group of receivers. And then this year, like, <laughs> it's so different now. Yeah. The, I think there's a lot of different players. I think I read somewhere like there's like 20 something new players uh, that in the Pro Bowl in total. Wouldn't it be shocking? I mean, looking at the list, like guys who have definitely not been in the Pro Bowl before that are in this game. Josh Allen, Josh Jacobs. He might have made it last year. Um, guys slipped around like Stephon Diggs is in the AFC. AJ Brown made it. Um Kyler Murray made it. Uh, Aaron Jones, did he make it last year? He might have. Uh, DK Metcalf, though, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, they've definitely never made it. So, yep. yeah. Good for them, dude. Chase Young, rookie. A lot of, uh, a lot of new blood. It's, it's nice to see. Uh, Young Huayku, I think it's his first pro-, pro-, pro Bowl. Jack Jack Fox. Uh, stealing the spot from Johnny Hecker out of madness, his first Pro Bowl. Uh, it's nice that there's no game this year, so I'm not like have to act like we're gonna watch this. But it is it is a it is a useful accolade. Um, it's not that useful. All pros are more important. But when you're looking at the totality of players' careers, like there are great players like Isaac Bruce who only made four. But if you make like ten 
Pro Bowls, you were clearly one of the best players in the league for a long time. For sure. Um, it, it, the funny thing is when you think at when you think about All Star games in general, the Pro Bowl is one that you skip. Um, in the NBA, the All Star game is a joke as well. It's, I mean, they're pretty much scoring like 200 points on both sides. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. La- uh, last year's NBA All-Star game, I will say, was awesome. They changed up the format for the better. But before that, it was an absolute shit show. Like for me, for, for the NBA, I, I I like watching the skills challenge over the actual game itself. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I love, I love the dunk contest and everything, even though it sucks half the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, three point contest even. Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, I think the only, I think the only game that like really, you can get into it if you're into the sport is is baseball. It makes the most sense. Um, even I think they, I don't think it matters anymore. I don't follow baseball closely, but like, you can play a all star game in baseball without really worrying about getting hurt that badly. Because how often, like, like it's not really going to matter. Like, the NBA, like, um, it, for those who didn't watch this year's, like, they changed it. So the fourth quarter, they just play to a certain score. So it got really intense, like, at the end. Like, players are really trying. But you can't go, like, that all out for 48 minutes in a meaningless basketball game. In football, you really cannot try. Like, you cannot go out there laying the wood in a fucking Pro Bowl. And, like, they used to play pretty hard, but then uh, Drew, Drew Brees got hurt in the Pro Bowl. And, like, from that point on, nobody is going to go that hard in the Pro Bowl. Uh, they just they need to figure out a way to fix it. Like, make it a flag football game or something. Uh, give the linemen something to do. I don't know. That'd be more fun. You, you're not – because, no, like, football is a very intense sport. And players play a lot of games, and you you can't you can't have a full playoff atmosphere, sixty minute game that just means fucking nothing. That's for sure. Yeah, but the <laughs> the product is horrible. They they need to figure something out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So no Pro Bowl. You don't have to watch it. They will be there will be like events or something in lieu of it. Um, to end the pod this week, and I think by the time you're listening to this, we recorded it Monday night. This is becoming that Wednesday. Uh, sadly, Kevin Green passed away today at the age of 58, which is way too young. Um, played it, played the beginning of his career with the Rams for a couple of years, 85 to 92. Ultimately, ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Was inducted in 2016. Um, He's before my time as a Ram, but was one of one of the all time leaders in sacks, hundred sacks club, uh, one of the best players in, in the nineties and one of the best you put together the, the all time Rams team, he's on it, and uh just a shame, man. I don't know if you have any anything you want to say about him. It, he he was definitely one of the most dominant you know, players to ever play the game, you know, not even just at his position, but in general, um, you know, I, I didn't have the, the luck of watching him as a Ram. I, I watched him 
because I've always been a football fan pretty much the majority of my life. And uh, I, I do remember watching him when he was with the Panthers. Um, yeah. You know, that was, of course, the latter half of his career. The crazy thing was he was still pretty damn good when he yeah. was with the Panthers. Made the Pro Bowl and, in, uh, uh, in 98 as a Panther and, yeah. and won uh, Defensive Player of the Year in 96, also on the Panthers. Actually, one, some of my favorite memories of Kevin Green was when he was in wrestling. Um, I I loved him in WCW. I thought, thought he was amazing. I, I don't know if that was before your time, Steve, but or if you even watched wrestling, but I did. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, you do. You, you know, <laughs> you know, I love wrestling. Uh, he was <laughs> that was before my time. Uh, I brief, I, I barely caught any WCW. I was very young during the Monday Night Wars. Oh man, I, uh, I, I love the Monday Night Wars. He, um, he had a, he had a, a brief appearance with WCW, but um, I, I remember just being in awe because I'm like, wait, he was playing football and. Now he's a wrestler, and I just thought it was awesome. And uh, I, I, I'm actually very saddened by his passing. And uh, my heart and condolences goes out to the Green family. And uh, you know, we lost a great one, man. Yeah, it's a bummer. And I, I'm glad. You know, a lot of players with Hall of Fame say sit in the ballot for a long time, don't get in, uh, and then sadly pass away, and then get in posthumously but it's i'm glad he he got he got to be inducted during his lifetime for sure and no nobody really deserved it as much as he did he he truly deserved it i mean the guy was third in sacks he had 160 yeah that's insane that's a lot of fucking sacks yeah only behind reggie white and bruce smith who are you know that's that's good company to be in. Hell yeah! Yeah. All right, man. Well, yeah, it's a shame. It's it's a shame. On that note, the Ram. I, I we're not we're not playing an outro. The Rams don't deserve it. <laughs> You'll have to come back next week to hear the music. Um, follow us on Twitter. At Cerebero, at Johnny Five Six, at Talk Rams. Uh, rate the show if you haven't rated yet, and we will talk to you guys next week. Okay, goodbye. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns, legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.